Welcome to the bar, come on and pull up a seat And open up your Bible, what a wonderful feast The living bread and we're discussing what it means for the streets The inner cities and the burbs and every person we meet This where we challenge worldviews that we hear from world news In light of the scripture, we are here to serve you We're your source for resources To help you on your way as you battle mean forces This is for the people who can see the importance Of sound theology and the scripture that support it And this is for the truth lovers, biblically reforming Preaching Christ to the nations Yeah, Welcome to the Modern Reformation, yeah. The Bar, Biblical and Reformed. Hey everybody, welcome to The Bar. Uh, this is Virgil Walker, I'm co-host uh, with my man Dwayne, uh, who's not with us, not joining us tonight, but uh, has, has set everything up so that we can have a, a very, very smooth uh, conversation, man. I'm here uh, with Daryl Harrison, and uh, and Daryl, I I know that our our audience knows about you and and has has uh, listened to the previous podcast with you, and uh, man, I, I I did as well, and I will tell you, it was incredibly informative. Uh, it really had me kind of thinking about uh, a number of different things around the issue of race, and so after it was over with, I really wanted to. Uh, wanted to meet you. I got online and kind of kind of searched you up. I didn't cyberstalk you, man, but uh, I did. I, I did check some things out you had shared uh, that I thought would be would be helpful for us maybe to do a deeper dive uh, into. So that's kind of the reason why I wanted to kind of check in with you, get things rolling on on this yeah. end. With that said, let me let me just kind of ask you maybe for those who didn't listen to the first podcast and 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 are just kind of tuning into this one uh, for the first time. Let's do this. Do a, just kind of a brief up up uh, you know kind of kind of update on who you are, what you're about, and then maybe kind of some of the summarize what we talked about last podcast. Yeah, I'd be glad to, Virgil. First of all, man, thanks for having me back on the bar, man. I really appreciate it and. Uh, Good to connect with you. Uh, let me just say, uh, you know, I'm relatively new to Reformed theology. I probably uh, would say I've been Reformed for about three years or so. So, so I'm somewhat new to Reformed theology, but, uh, you know, I come from a traditional black church background, uh, you know, and uh, uh, more from a sort of charismatic, someone might say full gospel, uh, if I had to put a label on it. But, uh you know, recently, I, and recently, I mean, maybe in the last five to seven years, I got exposed to ministries like Ligonier with uh, Dr. Sproul and Grace to You with Dr. MacArthur. Um, and then there's Desiring God with John Piper and just kind of listening to uh, for someone like me, the first time hearing expository preaching, an expository teaching. Uh, and mm -hmm. really uh, seeing Bible verses and words within those verses unpacked in sort of a forensic kind of way to where you're understanding that, you know, these meanings, these words do not have the meanings that we think they do in English. Right. You know, for, for someone right. that, that I grew up with, just reading the King James Version, uh, vanilla, you just read what's on the page and you, you, you're sort of left to your own devices to try to interpret and understand it from a hermeneutical standpoint. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, being exposed to ministries like those from a Reformed theology standpoint just really challenged me to read and study, not just the mm -hmm. Bible, but read, uh, you know, the Puritans, the Church Fathers, uh, folks mm -hmm. like Augustine, all the way up to uh, folks like Machen and B.B. Warfield and, and um, mm -hmm. uh, Spurgeon and folks like those. So 
you know, I tell my friends today, uh, the, the one takeaway that I can assure you of, that if you ever delve into uh, Reformed theology, it's going to challenge you to really become a student of the Word, an Amen. absolute student. And, 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 you don't, and I don't mean that in the sense that you have to go to seminary or anything like that. You will be challenged to read and become a disciplined student of God's Word so that your mm. hermeneutics are correct, uh, your orthodoxy is correct, and your orthopraxy is correct. So I mm-hmm. kind of applied that against the background that I grew up with and said, hey, you know, maybe some things I was taught uh, growing up weren't necessarily true. And I, I kind of inculcate these sort of new illuminations uh, mm-hmm. into my writings on my blog, but still carrying with me that historical black ecclesiology that, that I grew mm-hmm. up with and that will never leave me. That will never leave me. But wow. I do hold that up against the truths that I understand to be true right now. Yeah, yeah, man, that's that's great. I think again, background wise, very similar uh, background uh, uh, that that I came out of as well. Kind of kind of a, a black Pentecostal circles primarily, where yep. faith circles, charismatic circles. I think a lot of us at some point in the journey, man, begin to ask questions, right? Right, and, uh, right. And and for me, the approach was I I, I wish I'd have, I'd have kind of taken your route. I kind of backdoored it. I was I was exposed to apologetics, and um, and someone had kind of kind of exposed me to uh, some some different. Uh, and it really wasn't a, a reformed apologetic by, by any means. Just kind of kind of street apologetics, kind of cultural apologetics, and kind of defending of the faith. And then as I as I began to, to to look at that and study it, most of the, most of my heroes that that coming out of that, I was I was into kind of evidential based stuff and uh, yeah. stuff with you know with with different folks who were who were dealing with Islam and and that kind of thing. And all of a sudden, I had to kind of pause for a second and say, have have I really have I really examined what I believe and whether mm-hmm. or not it would stand the same test uh, right. of, of rigor that that I'm advancing against other you know other ideological positions and so mm-hmm. uh it, it 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 any any good apologist uh should be someone who is trying to examine the scripture and be a line upon line precept upon precept and uh man if something is not working uh, or something's not correct or is an error then you you've got to stop which again would 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 lend itself to my developing more of a of a reformed you know theology and and right. and I, I think for for some and I, I'll share this briefly I think for some some have a tendency to minimize reformed theology simply to uh, of Calvinistic soteriology and um, yeah I would and, agree and unfor- yeah unfor- unfortunately and and I think I think at fault to some degree are are you know the, the, the young the, you know the young and reformed and uh, young restless and reformed kind of kind of crew but um, but but it's so much broader and it has and it has much larger implications. Many of those that we'll be talking about, you know, as as we as we continue the conversation, I, I know when you talked to Dwayne last time, you guys kind of kind of touched on some of the b- backlash from some of your blog posts and some of the things. Kind of tell tell the audience in, in summary what that looked like and sounded like, and what you were kind of dealing with from that. Yeah, so I did a uh, I won't call it a series because it wasn't intentional. Uh, just to give some background, my approach to the articles that I write for my blog, I don't do anything in advance. I mean, there's no, there's really no template to it. Uh, if the Holy Spirit gives me uh, a burden to really write on something, then I'll write on that. If the Holy Spirit doesn't give me anything to, uh, that's convicting within me to comment on, then I don't write. Uh, you know, it, uh, you know. It, so in, in that 
in that vein, I could go weeks or months even without writing an article because I want to make sure that, you know, what I'm writing, number one, is what the Lord would have me to say, and that, number two, that is contributing positively to the discourse that's going on right now. So, uh, but my last three uh, blog articles have been within the realm and addressing the issue of, you know, some would say racial reconciliation, some would say social Mm -hmm. justice. Uh, But uh, from most current piece going back, my most current piece I posted last week, a piece called Searching for a Social Savior, uh, the thesis Mm -hmm. of which is, uh, you know, putting forth that there are those within the social justice racial reconciliation movement who are painting Jesus as what I call a a sort of divine social worker, a a holy humanitarian. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean that in the sense that we are stripping him of his deity. He did not, and I make this point in the article that Christ did not come to save society. He came to save sinners. And I think within the, uh, within the discourse of social justice and, racial reconciliation as a gospel mandate, we are totally, if not forgetting, we are reducing to uh, a a secondary point, Jesus's deity. Now, he could have Mm. addressed the social, because he was God, he could have addressed the social dynamics without having to die on the cross, right? Mm -hmm. So I close Mm -hmm. that piece out with a question. Listen, if that's the case, if Jesus could have remediated all these issues, then yes. why was it necessary for him to die? To die I'll leave that as an right. open question. It's a rhetorical question. Anyone who thinks for a few seconds on that will know the answer. So prior to that piece, however, I wrote a piece, uh, the title of which is, is the gospel still enough for black Christians. So I, yes. you know, the thesis there is, is along the lines of, listen, if none of this social uh, climate changes, if none of this changes from, from the level that it is right now, would the gospel, and by definition, I mean, would the fact that God sent his son to die on the cross for your sins so you wouldn't, be, so you wouldn't spend an eternity in hell, if nothing mm-hmm. else changed in, in this world, would that be enough for you? Would that gospel element, would that gospel message be enough for you? Would you be content with mm-hmm. that? Um, mm-hmm. And then thirdly, prior to that piece, I wrote a piece called um, How Woke Theology Is weakening the black church. And and the, the, the title came about because I see sort of a co-mingling of uh, what I call a more uh, ethno-cultural gospel. I, I kind of invented yes. a term out of that piece that I call ethnogesis. So it's, mm-hmm. you've got eisegesis, exegesis. Well, now you have <laughs> ethnogesis. Ethnogesis, where, yeah. Yeah, so you, you, you got all my woke brothers and sisters out there reading into the the scriptures race, ethnicity, social justice into mm-hmm. about every other text and that so that Je- so that social justice is the only reason Jesus came to earth. So that's right. what I mean by ethno Jesus. We we, we sort of we've we bought into this whole cultural gospel to where we see the gospel through our cultural experience as opposed to the other way around. So mm-hmm. I've been catching a lot of heat for those collectively for those three pieces which I expected when I wrote them. I mean, I'm not naive sure. to what the uh, what the climate and the milieu is out there to where, uh, you know, what I write is going to be accepted by the masses. You know, I'm not naive in that. But then again, I don't write to appease anyone. I'm just trying to convey the truth of the gospel as the Holy Spirit has revealed to me, get it out there, 
uh, in masses and let those who happen to take the time to read it, digest it, um, mm-hmm. and do with it what they will. Well, I want to I want to do a couple of things. One is I, I want to do deeper dives into the into into some of the stuff that you've uh, that, that you've mentioned because as I as I listen to the podcast that you and and Dwayne did, I was really uh, uh, man, I was I was encouraged uh, by what you shared. Uh, I, I was I was impressed um, by how you know how how um, contextually uh, you placed a lot of different ideas, and then I felt like did a did a phenomenal job. Of setting those to one side and then and then examining the backdrop of of the scripture and of the, of gospel proclamation and said and 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 kind of and kind of challenged us what what does this look like if 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 this if the gospel is real and it's and it's and it's what we need and and it's all that we need uh, from a standpoint of being right with God and with man mm-hmm. then why is it steam that some would suggest that there's something else in addition needed, and so um, we, you, you know, you talked about the the, the term racial reconciliation, and, mm-hmm. uh, and and how you know how that's you know how valid a term that is or is not, and so I, I'd like for you, if, if you would, just to take a minute to, and kind of expound upon an idea that that I think is really embraced by 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 the majority of culture, especially in Reformed circles, especially in, um, in, in, in Baptist culture at large. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of different people. Uh, I, I'll, I'll even, I'll even during this podcast mention mention some names, uh, not in, not in an effort to, to, you know, to downplay anybody, but just, mm-hmm. just so that we can get our arms wrapped around what's being said out there. And I'll, I'll share this. One of the people that, that I love to listen to, um, I, I, I listen to a lot, a lot of Matt Chandler. Um, yeah. and, and I, I was, I was disappointed because I think he, he's kind of picked up on the thought process of, of the issue of white privilege. Yes. In fact, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an idea where, Hey, we, we just have to accept this, uh, because of the fact you have white skin, there's certain privileges you're going to have as a result. Um, and so as a result, you're not going to be able to understand your brother who is of a different, uh, racial or ethnic or, or ethnic group. And, and, and I think the intent in that. The intent in that is is one of of, of kind heartedness. It's a one of hey, we've got to love our neighbors ourselves. But the, as you well know, the problem with that um, is that it it creates this this ism and schism within the body of Christ within believers uh, right. to where we can't we can't communicate with one another and don't have necessarily the same language by which to do that. Uh, so so with regard to the issue of racial reconciliation. Um, man, if, if you'll if you'll kind of unpack that for us, whether it's a valid term or an invalid term, or how we need to view that properly. Yeah, sure thing, Virgil. Um, I, I want to say one thing though before, because your 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 uh, commentary on, on Matt Chandler uh, kind of triggered something in my mind here. And with all due respect to how Matt feels and others uh, who may feel the same way, see the thing about white privilege is is that it's built on a premise that. Um, the privilege that white people have is rooted in part in an unappreciation or a misunderstanding or an inability to understand the uh, cultural experience of black people. But see, here's the reality. Even me as a black man, I can't relate to your experience as another black man. Your experience is your experience. My experience is my experience. So what I would hope my brothers, uh, you know, my white brothers uh, uh, in, in the, in the body, would do is to resist the urge to jump on this white privilege bandwagon because as much as it may be true that white people may not be able to understand the, I guess, the historical uh, black experience in America, 
even I as a black man, when you really boil it down, I can't say right. that I understand the experience of another black man or Absolutely. a black woman for or, that matter. They, yeah, or, 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 or they even, are, or, I am who I am. Or, 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 or Brother Darnell, even, even this, Darrell, even this, um, I don't know that we could truly and, and confidently understand the, the reality of a person who underwent chattel slavery, right? Right. I, I mean, right. I mean, I mean that that that's a, that's an experience in America, experienced by 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 you know hundreds of thousands of blacks who were brought here in change from from the from the continent of Africa into in, in all all parts of the world. I don't know that we can understand what they went through. Now we can understand the effects of of, of what that is. Right. Um, and, right. and 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 those effects are going to be very different depending on what part of the country you lived in, depending on what kind of people group you came from, what you know, what, what section or area of the country you're in. So so to create this idea of there's this monolith black experience that no one can right. really appreciate or comprehend simply based on the lack of melanin in one's skin, I think is, is right. a false narrative. Exactly, exactly right. So I, I just want to get that. I agree with you 100%, brother. And I just want to get that little point in there, uh, you know, before we don't dive into this whole uh, unfair sure. racial reconciliation. So as it relates to racial reconciliation, though, I'm, one personally who doesn't believe in the term. I think the term itself is a misnomer. It's a non sequitur uh, because when you when you use a term like that, you uh, are intrinsically directing one's attention and focus to the shade of melanin of the person that the person possesses. Race doesn't reconcile. So, given that that's true, race race is an inanimate, fixed. Uh, unchangeable characteristic that one possesses that neither has the ability, capability, capacity, whatever word you want to use, to initiate or influence attitudes. Therefore, right. that's my premise for not, um, I don't align myself with even the use of the term. Races do mm. not reconcile. Hearts reconcile. So we really need mm. to stop using that term racial reconciliation because it's a non sequitur. It doesn't make sense. Uh, I don't buy into the term or the idea or the notion of race to begin with, when you look at it biblically, God created ethnicities. He did not create races. Races, mm -hmm. Race is a cultural uh, phenomenon. It has nothing to do with a, a uh, being theologically sound with respect to that issue, but I'll use the term for a second conversation. But myself, I do not even subscribe to the term racial reconciliation because it, it doesn't make sense. Um, I, I want to quote you something I, I came across in an article. So there's a website called The Cripple Gate, and uh, huh? a writer named Jesse Johnson did a piece back in 2015 called The Myth of Race. Uh, and I want to just take this quote from his piece, which I think he, he nailed it on this. He said, the Bible never uses the concept of race, but it does use the concept of ethnicity. So when you read Acts 17, 26, Virgil, where it says, and God made from one man every nation of mankind, mm -hmm. the Greek word mm -hmm. there for nation is the word ethnos. It is not the word race. So Johnson is absolutely correct. He says the Bible never uses the concept of race, but it does use the concept of ethnicity. God is glorified when there is diversity in the church. The gospel is powerful enough to, to transcend cultures, social classes, languages, continents, and centuries. Heaven will be a diverse place, and the diversity comes from the transcendent power of the gospel, not from genetic makeup, supposed classes of people. 
And that's exactly wow. right. Wow. Theologically speaking, there is no such thing as race. There are ethnicities. So if you want to get technical about it, let's call it ethnic re reconciliation. But even then, ethnicities don't reconcile. Hearts reconcile. Wow. 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 Bro, that's, that's incredibly powerful. I, 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 uh, when, I, when I hear you unpack that in that way from a biblical standpoint, I'm surprised, given, given the history uh, of uh, the, the historic nature of Reformed theology, that we are not basing even, even the context of, of, of racial groups or ethnic groups uh, in the Scripture in the manner that you just did. I think it would, it would, it would resolve a lot of error uh, that 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 is that, that's kind of being put out there in a number of different different spaces and, and ways that that's that's incredibly divisive uh, mm -hmm. to to the body of Christ. I, I want to talk about your your um, article that that you did uh, it, where you talked about and asked the question: Is the gospel enough? And yeah. uh, and, and 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 in that, you really kind of challenged. Uh, I think I think the quote unquote black church. Um, and and ask the question: Is is the gospel enough? What 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 did you mean what did, when you say that? What do you mean by that? Uh, how how are you aiming that particular question? Kind of walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, I'll be glad to, Virgil. And, and let me just go back and say uh, the reason I uh, focus on the black church in this particular blog article is because it's to the black church that I see this sort of social gospel doing the most damage. Mm, okay? Wow. So when when you survey the landscape of uh, Christian social justice advocates today, most of the individuals who are on the front lines are black pastors. Uh, and, you know, in, 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 with that being the case, those, those pastors represent their congregations. So yes. the, the milieu around social justice today is so adamant, it's so thick, it, it's so reoccurring mm -hmm. to where you would think that you know, in these pulpits, in these churches, that's all they're preaching about today is justice, justice, <laughs> justice, as right, opposed right. to justification, I, I, justification, I, justification, justification, you see. Absolutely. Let, 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 me, let me interrupt you briefly just to say that I, I, I remember that very distinctly with the, um, with the, the, uh, the video that came out about the brothers who were going to be blacking out the NFL. Yeah. You remember that? NFL. You remember that? Mm -hmm. with, yeah. With the, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they, they were, they were, they were blacking that out because, you know, yeah. their guy didn't, didn't get, uh, you know, didn't, didn't get what he needed in the way of, uh, you know, uh, NFL uh, come, coming alongside and, uh, and, and, mm -hmm. and rehiring uh, that, that bro the uh, brother Kaepernick. back and, and Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick, uh, rehi re rehiring him back. And there were, there were pastors. The, the thing that shocked me was that there were pastors who were, who are pushing this forward? Of all the things that are going on in the black community that we could be concerned about, uh, there were pastors who wanted to make sure an NFL player who had made you know hundreds of millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars to say the least, got his job back. I, I was I was baffled by that. Yeah, I was. Uh, you contrast that video right with the video I saw earlier today that showed some uh, young black people in some town in Florida who in the midst of Hurricane Irma, were inside an athlete's, um, in a, 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 a athletic footwear store mm. stealing uh, sneakers. Mm -hmm. Okay, but, but, you, but your, your party right now is making sure Kaepernick gets signed to a contract. Okay, so, right. okay, so I, got right. I got that. I got that. We got our priorities, right? <laughs> so, 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 so back to the article, you know, I posed the question. See, here's the thing, Roger. The gospel 
will force us to make some hard decisions. The gospel is not pillow talk. It really is. Mm. When you really dig down to the gospel, it, it forces you. If you profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ, the gospel is going to force you to make some hard decisions. So in the piece that I wrote on Is the Gospel Enough for Black Christians, I asked the question, how can we, for whom the gospel was sufficient and necessary to change us, expect something other than the gospel to change someone else? Mm. You see? And, and where I'm going with that is, okay, I understand Christians want to couch this whole social justice advocacy in terms of a fight. They like to call it the fight for social yes. justice. But, but see, here's the thing. The, the kind of fight that Jesus fought was a fight for hearts, a fight yes. for souls, a fight for do you believe in me or do you not? That's really the yes. what the gospel boils down to, those two questions. And the, 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 the approach that many of my brothers and sisters are taking right now, which is a confrontational, antagonistic, um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, that's, that's not the way the kingdom of God is going to come to fruition. Christ mm-hmm. changes hearts one at a time, and that's how he's building his church. And, and the thing about this whole thing uh, with respect to social justice and racial reconciliation is, and I was pondering this early today, have you ever come across anyone, Virgil, who has yet to ask you, what is the origin or genesis, or what's the beginning of this racial irreconciliation to begin with? What is the timeline, and what moment did our races become irreconciled to one another? I've never heard anyone ask that question. That's a great question. And the question is germane because you know, somebody might say, well, you know, they'll take it back to slavery in 1619 when the first Africans were, were brought to Jamestown, Virginia. Or they may mm-hmm. say, well, it was the Civil War and the Confederacy. Or they may mm-hmm. say it was the Civil Rights era with Jim Crow. Right. Jim Crow, But sure. I have yet, yeah, I have yet to, to hear anyone address the question of, okay, what what is the genesis of this irreconciliation to begin with? What happened to irreconcile us? So if you, you, you can't go back to an event. You have to go back to the Garden of Eden. That's where it all started, because it is our sin that is at the root of all racial reconciliation, marital re- reconciliation, familial irreconciliation. I could go mm-hmm. on and on and on. But the question I want to pose to those who are listening, give some thought to this. What is the origin? of this irreconciliation we have that needs to be reconciled. That's where we need to start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where we need to go. Absolutely. We need to go to the genesis of it. Absolutely. It's only in doing so uh, that, that you're able to say, okay, here's, here, here's where it happened, and, and this is what we now must do to, to fix the problem. And, and if, if, we, if we recognize to the point that you just made that, that it actually happened uh, in Eden, there's only one solution to fix that problem. Um, that's right, and, and, that, and that's and that's that's through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what He came and died for, uh, in in an in effort to, to 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 take care of the the wrath of God that was revealed from heaven uh, against all of our ungodliness and wickedness because we've suppressed the truth of of God and who He is uh, in our unrighteousness. And as a result of that, we simply rather than rather than looking at at hey, I need to be reconciled with God, we're trying to figure out how someone else can be reconciled to our race. It makes absolutely positively no sense at all. Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. And see, something you, you used some words here just a second ago uh, uh, to the effect that, you know, 
uh, racial reconciliation, social justice. You know, we're so concerned about what we need to do to fix the problems. Well, mm-hmm. I actually think that taking the mindset that we have to do something is actually part of the problem, as, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> because what what I mean by that is that it's not enough to claim that we were all created in the image of God, that all of us in our multiple various ethnicities bear the image of God. It's not enough to uh, claim that without talking about the nature of the God who created us the way he did. So if we mm. bear the image of God, that's that's not just in our humanity, but that's in that's that's going a lot deeper than that. You know, who who, who what do we know about the nature of the God who created us? Well, we know that God is uh, just, that he's holy, that he's righteous, that he's loving, that he's merciful. Uh, his attributes are innumerable. Uh, we would never be able to name them all. But I mentioned this, that, that it's important for us to understand the nature of the God who created us in, in his image because it is as we understand him that we understand the impetus for pursuing not ethnic reconciliation, but reconciliation of ourselves to him, which is where it starts. Yes. This is what Paul yes, said, absolutely. right? I implore you, therefore, be reconciled to God. So when I talk yes. about the genesis or the origins of racial irreconciliation going back to the Garden of Eden, that's where our first parents broke that reconciliation that they once had with God. When, we, when they sinned in the Garden, everything that we're talking about right now, Virgil, is a result of that one event that happened thousands of years ago. So unless we try to connect uh, irreconciliation to our being irreconciled to God, then we're just spinning our wheels. I call it treadmill ethics, where, you know, (laughs) you're, you're trying to employ these ethics as if you're running on a treadmill. You know, every now and then you come up with these new plans, these new strategies to reconcile ourselves to one another. This is what we need to do. We need to do that. But you're just on a treadmill, man. You're just putting forth all this effort going absolutely nowhere. That's why I call it treadmill ethics because you're putting all this work but going nowhere. That's good. Let me let me ask you this, Daryl, because I I think, man, you've 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 articulated so well. Um, man, the issues and and even even taking us back to to the origin, you know, you you hear it in in, in comments uh, uh, like you know this this isn't this isn't a, a a skin issue, this is a sin issue, and 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 trite though they may sound, there's such reality uh, and truth uh, in in that in that comment. Let me let me ask you this, brother, because I want I want to do two things really quickly. One is I want to I want to ask you about uh, you know the Joel Tisbees of the world, the 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 uh, the Tabetes. Uh, of the world, those folks who we know who are in reform circles, um, who as well as, I mean, they graduated from, from great schools and know wonderful theology, but still have, have a blind spot to this particular issue, man. And the platform that these, that these men have are just, are just um, immense. And uh, the, the influence that that they have for for good and and for doing you know for for sharing that which is right is is, is extreme, but at the same time, what we seem to be getting is more of what we're experiencing in the culture, uh, which, which is a backwards look uh, at mm-hmm. things. It's not the forward thinking that we that we that we believe that those who are beholden to reform theology should should hold. You know what 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 do, what do you as you as you survey that man? What are your thoughts around that? How are you how are you feeling about that? And what 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 kinds of what kinds of uh, things in your mind is what does what they're sharing and doing and creating stir in you? 
Yeah, uh, first of all, I want to say, listen, guys like the BD and Jamar, those guys are, are, are guys who are much smarter than me, okay? <laughs> they are much smarter than I am. But I will say this, uh, I I don't have a lot in common with those brothers uh, and their uh, uh, their worldview right now with respect to this whole social justice issue. Uh, for me, I just don't see how we can juxtapose resurrecting and re-prosecuting sins from hundreds of years ago, while at the same time claiming that the blood of Christ covers our own sin. Amen. Uh, I don't want to know about my sin from five minutes ago, man. I don't want right. anybody resurrect, resurrecting and re-prosecuting that that I did just five minutes ago, let alone 500 years ago. Uh, But this goes back to what I said earlier about how the gospel forces us to make some difficult decisions. What we have to understand is the the gospel doesn't change culture by coercion. It doesn't change it by force. It doesn't change it by threat. Now, what we have to be able to accept, and this is where, uh, and I don't mean to get too technical with your listeners here, but when it comes to racial reconciliation, we have to have a theology of racial reconciliation. And what I mean by that is that we have to understand the dynamics from a biblical theological standpoint that go into trying to shape social justice within a gospel context. For example, we, we, as we preach the gospel uh, in the context of racial reconciliation and social justice, we have to understand, well, what role does the doctrine of homartiology play? That's the doctrine yes. of sin. Man, what role absolutely. does the doctrine of pneumatology play? Th- th- that is the right. doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Spirit what role absolutely. does the doctrine of soteriology play, the doctrine of salvation? salvation uh, absolutely. And we have to factor all those things. And, and, and last but not least, what does the doctrine of the sovereignty of God play in all this? Sure. sure. God is sovereign over everything that's going everything. on right now. And what we have to be able to accept as Christians is that not everybody is going to receive the gospel. Not, not everybody mm-hmm. whose heart is going to be open to the message of the gospel and that my white brother and myself were both created in the Imago Day. He is equally valuable in the eyes of God. Not everybody's going to accept that. And we need to be able to accept that not everybody's going to accept that. That's just how the gospel, the gospel is not for everybody. It is not for everybody. And we need to be able to accept that. Absolutely. Let me, let me ask you, let me ask you this. And, and, and I, I, I so respect kind of how you, how you teed that up with regard to Jamar and, and, and Tabidi and guys like that educationally. I'm, I, you know, I, I know you're, you're walking through, um, your theological education now, as am I. Um, you know, still, still in seminary, trying to, trying to get my, my, uh, my MDiv and, and, and all of that, and, and, and walk all that out, and, and don't have the credentialing. But at the same time, man, I think I, I really don't think that, that that truth is necessarily dependent upon how many degrees are behind our name. I think sometimes, I, th- I think sometimes truth it carries with it such simplicity uh, that, that everybody can get it. And it's oftentimes, and sadly, sad to say. Uh, that, that that you know, at times, the more education, uh, the, the more the more ideas that we that we come into contact with, the more more we're oftentimes uh, exposed to some thought process that that we've got it figured out in a way that maybe someone else before us did not. 
Um, and and I think that 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 can definitely be de- definitely be problematic. I, I want to ask you, man, in this environment that we're in, um, politically speaking, um, culturally speaking, where there's such tremendous um, division, and um, you know, and folks are just kind of kind of going at it. I, I know that at the uh, at the Southern Baptist Convention, there was a there was kind of a hubbub uh, about um, you know wanting to make sure that that there was a statement passed uh, that 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 you know that that separated us from white nationalism and and we you know and and again given the history of the Southern Baptist Convention uh, you definitely understand why they were they were anxious to to make sure that they were on they were on the right side of history uh with regard to that particular issue and and I I wasn't there when all that happened you know I I've kind of heard secondhand whether it was a uh, uh you know Dr. James White who kind of shared uh with uh with with uh, with Josh Boyce or you know one of those those folks what what ha- actually took place um, I, I'm curious, though, as to even your thoughts about, um, you know, what, what would it have sounded like, uh, what would it have looked like for them to repudiate maybe some of the some of the violence and, and things of that from, uh, the, you know, folks who are part of Black Lives Matter uh, or the like. I mean, if, if we're if we're going to disavow um, behavior or or, or ideology uh, of 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 the world. Um, it would make sense that we would do so in a, in a very uh, open way and in, in a very even-handed way. Uh, and in my estimation, again, this is this is my own personal thought process. Uh, it, there there wasn't an even hand with that, um, and, and that that it it really creates more problems moving forward than than the intent that I believe was was uh, was at hand, the heart of the matter, uh, to to maybe maybe write write something that they saw as wrong. Any thoughts that you had about that as you watched that unfold? Yeah, I followed that uh, not very closely, but I did follow it uh, sort of at a, a sort of high level. Uh, let me just say this. I'm not a fan of what I call propitiatory gestures like that. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm not a fan of, of statements. And, uh, uh, you know, I wasn't a fan of that statement that came out of the uh, SBC. I wasn't a fan of the uh, Charlottesville Declaration that the uh, mm-hmm. brothers at the mm-hmm. uh, Reformed African American Network put out. Um, because they're, um, they just don't go deep enough. I mean, uh, it's, it's, I don't know, I don't know know any other way to put it. I guess from an aesthetic standpoint, it probably looked good for show. It looked good for show, but, uh, you know, what in Leviticus, we have over what, 600 and some odd statements, uh, laws, uh, you know, to obey, don't do this, do that, don't do this. And look how that turned out. So, right. You know, as as far as these gestures go, listen, I, I just take them for what they are. Uh, I would be much more inclined to support something that we could tangibly measure uh, that had an effect uh, mm-hmm. uh, in, in a positive direction. We can't measure statements like this. Uh, right. There's no way to measure to what extent did this statement do any good. Uh, we can't measure that at all. So I just took it for what it was. Um, I do want to go back to something previously with respect to the whole uh, point about, you know, theological education and whatnot. Mm, I'll tell you what, Vern, okay. one, one of the texts I always fall back on, man, I love this text in Acts chapter 4. Uh, and, and this is really man, what it all boils down to. Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, that they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. The Lord, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. as far as that goes, bro, listen, 
I really couldn't care less about what level of education you have or I have. Right. The only right. the bottom line, brother, is can those who with whom you interact and come face to face with, can they recognize that you've been with Jesus? That's the only Amen. question that matters, Amen. man. That's Amen. the only one that matters. Amen. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so so again, I think uh, to close out on these statements and declarations and whatnot, I think what we're seeing, man, is a lot of kingdom building going on. That's really mm. what is at the heart of this whole social justice movement. Is that, now, they won't say this. They won't use the same language or vernacular, but that's exactly what they're trying to do. These are people who, regardless of what their intentions are, are trying to create a, a kingdom here on this earth that is not going to come to fruition. It's not going to happen. Um, yeah. You know, I look at a text like Second Peter 3.13. This is where you and I as Christians ought to have our hearts and minds focused. Listen to what Peter writes in Second Peter 3.13. He says, but according to his promise, that is God's promise, but according to God's promise, we, that is us, believers, are looking for new heavens and a new earth mm. in which righteousness mm. dwells. It's Amen. not going to dwell here. So for, for all their best efforts to bring about reconciliation, whatever term you want to call it, social right. justice, ultimately they're futile. And it's like I said in my blog article, man, Christ did not come to save society. He came to save sinners. And we need to get focused on that and accept the fact that this kingdom building that we're up to, it's not going to happen. Daryl, I I I mean I, I appreciate everything you said. I I know that you know that those who are who are listening in and kind of hearing us go back and forth and and, and share um, what we share that you know that the thought process will be man those those two guys man they're they're some you know you know what you know they're they're, yep, they're, they're know, they yep, sold out they yep 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 Uncle this, this Tom kind of they, yep yep yeah I'm just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put it out there man <laughs> put it out there bro. <laughs> You know that they, they, that them, them guys right there, man. They they drank the Kool Aid. You know they, yep. you know, in, in in white settings, got to kind of deal with that. I wanna I wanna flip the script and talk about it this way because I I think you and I, um, I, I don't think we would be talking about this subject if we didn't have a care, or a, or a compassion or a heart aimed at those of our own ethnicity, right? Um, right. Both of us, as as we began this conversation, talked about our backgrounds and 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 interestingly enough they were incredibly similar right um both both coming out of got of you know charismatic backgrounds and and you know word of faith backgrounds not having been exposed to through a a real a proper systematic theology a real a real proper idea about the scripture a, a, you know a, a proper exegeting a text um just truth being preached it was just absent and and because yeah. of that, because of that coming out of that, the passion is is to see more brothers who look like you and I. Not not only yeah. that, but 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 brothers who 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 are who have that same uh, you know experience uh, to see them exposed to truth. And so we 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 must be honest and say you know you know within quote unquote reform circles, you know you you look around and 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 you know if you and I are in in a room of of, of a thousand people, maybe if we we were at at G three together, you know, we we would look right. at each other and, and be excited, like, oh, another, you know, right. another another brother is, is here and, yeah. and got the truth and and you know is is, is kind of moving forward. What 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 would you say about that? I mean, is is that problematic? Uh, or 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 maybe even this: what should what should um, folks who are quote unquote reformed um, are, are are in those circles where when they look around they don't see diversity. 
Uh, they don't see a, a ton of, of, of people of different ethnicities. And, you know, we, 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 we peel back the pages of Revelation and, and see, you know, there were people of every, every tongue, tribe, and, and, and nation um, who, who were, who were uh, you know, praising and worshiping God. When, when they do, is, is there something that they should be doing differently? What should they be doing, if anything? Yeah, I think the first thing they need to be doing is reminding themselves that God, God is sovereign over creating his church. Uh, that's number one. And don't assume that it's your job to bring to fruition that the diversity that he himself has already promised is going to be a reality in heaven. Okay, so that's number one. Don't assume it's your job. Leave God's job to God. You preach mm. the gospel and let it God take care of everything else. Uh, you know, I'm looking at a text now in Acts chapter 9, verse 31. It says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. So brothers who find themselves in that situation, uh, hey, j stop scanning the room <laughs> to see who, who, how many brothers are there, brothers and sisters right. are there who look like you. Just scan right. the room and praise God that you're in the midst of other like-minded brothers who believe. Uh, now, from a practical standpoint, what I like to see is, uh, especially given the truth that Reformed theology uh, conveys, I would love to see more Reformed churches in black inner city hoods, like where mm -hmm. I grew up. Uh, mm -hmm. I grew up on the west side of Atlanta, near where Morehouse, Spelman, Morris Brown, all those historic HBCUs are located. Um, there are no Reformed churches within probably hundreds of miles of, of that nucleus, right, that center area right there, what we call the West End of Atlanta. There's probably not a Reformed church that you can think of. Uh, now, my brother, uh, 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 my brother, I uh, can't think of his name, who pastors East Point Church uh, in Atlanta. That's probably the closest I would get. But I would, I would say, man, let, let, let's pan out and see, can we plant some Reformed churches in urban areas? Um, mm. I know Piper has done that up in Minneapolis. I haven't heard much outside of that, but you know, in, in environments like that, don't pan the room trying to do a head count, or in this case, a skin count. Don't be trying to do a skin <laughs> count, man. I mean, <laughs> just just you know, ask the Lord, what can you do to spread the gospel? Let's just can we just spread the gospel, man, and, and, and right. stop counting, you know, shades of melanin as we go along. Right. Let God build his church. You just be obedient to, to that, that great commission. Get out there, preach the gospel, and let God do the rest. Uh, so that would be my advice, man, is don't assume that it's your job. We're so hung up on this diversity as if, well, man, it won't happen without us. Man, I, I gotta, I gotta, right. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. But you know what? Heaven won't be diverse because of our varying ethnicities. Heaven is going to be diverse because people of varying ethnicities got saved. Okay, Amen. that's how, that's why heaven is going to be diverse, and we need Amen. to stick to that. Amen. Well, Daryl, man, it has been refreshing, bro, to talk to talk to you, and to engage you on, on this subject, and to read your material. Uh, man, it is it's been a blessing to to go, take a little deeper dive into this process. Man, any any last words that you have for 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 our folks? Hey, man, I just want to say thanks again for having me on, Verge. I appreciate you, man. Dwayne, all you guys at the bar, 
I'm praying for you guys. I think you guys have got such big things ahead of you uh as far as your your podcast and your other efforts man to get the gospel out there and again i just want to say one more time listen the gospel is going to challenge us to make some hard decisions man the gospel is not easy i remember dr mm-hmm. here dr rc Sproul say once uh, in a sermon he said his life didn't get difficult until he became a christian and i know mm-hmm. exactly what he's talking about the Christian life is difficult. It's going to challenge you to make some hard decisions. And sometimes those decisions are going to be to forgive when you're right, to turn the other cheek when you're right, to let, to leave justice and vengeance to God when you have a case to press. Wow. Uh, the gospel wow. is hard, man. And, and, and it's going to, the gospel is going to challenge us on whether we actually believe the gospel or not. Amen. Man, thanks so much for that reminder. I let the folks know where they can check out some of your writing, man. Yeah, so my blog is at justthinking.me. That's just thinking. That's one word, justthinking.me, justthinking.me. And on my blog site, they can click on the social media icons and connect me, connect with me on uh, Twitter or Facebook. Bro, again, it's been a privilege to talk with you. I'm hoping our listeners really uh, tune in and, and check you out and uh, and stay connected definitely to the bar. I'm so thankful for Dwayne, for letting me step in on this one, man, because I just had a after hearing your your first podcast, man, had a real burning desire to meet you and to connect with you and uh, to continue to get our folks exposed uh, to to what you're doing. And I know just having listened and talked to Dwayne, that he he intends on bringing you back uh, again. So so be looking out for that as well. Okay, I will do first. Thanks again, brother. I appreciate it. Absolutely. God bless. We'll talk to y'all soon. All right.